It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That's Alan Saunders. And this isn't a joke. Alan's not teasing you guys. Chris Carter, right here with us. Alan be teasing me with these. He's like, oh, you're, you're coming on this week. And I'll be like, cool. And then like, oh, sorry, we'll get you next week. I'm like, God, come on, man. Chris, it's, uh, it's great to have you as always. Second appearance, even though I feel like we've talked about you being on here about 10 times. It's the second time you've actually been able to join us. Um, and I'll be honest, guys, I, I want to jump into things because I'm in such a rush to talk about uh. the cornerback movement on the Steelers roster over the last 24 hours. Um, Darius Rush added from the uh, Chiefs practice squad, also had spent time with the Colts after being drafted. Desmond King, though, on his way out after only playing one defensive snap, a guy that, uh, you know, you guys were both kind of tempering the expectations in terms of what he could bring to the defense. But I know, like, from a fan base perspective, a lot of people were super excited about adding this guy. And I think also yesterday, very confused as to why he was being released off of the roster. So let's dive into that a little bit, that cornerback movement on the roster. Yeah, just to, uh, I, you know, I saw Omar and said, you, you dropped this king. You know, <laughs> uh, You're both uh, being terrible with your puns. If I, if I had the power to Yoshi bonk you on this show, I would. <laughs> you should have sent me, you should have sent me that clip to be able I, I to play as well. That clip. Yeah. Oh gosh. Listen, I, I think the thing about Desmond King is that the prospect of him, be playing the way how he has in some of his better days in the NFL was certainly exciting and the Steelers needed help in the slot and they needed they needed a guy who could be a tackling presence but he played like one defensive snap didn't look good in it and if the Steelers are letting him go it means they're, they're that he wasn't impressing in practice either um I think that's one thing that fans have to kind of accept a little bit better sometimes because they'll be like, well, why isn't this guy like like the Hakeem Butler phenomenon uh, of what? Just just get him out there. And then it's like, listen, we're at practice. It ain't great. Um, You know, now this time of year, that's a little tougher because it's not training camp. We don't see as much of those guys. But like if, if Desmond King was capable of playing in the slot and being more consistent, He'd be out there. Steelers aren't like stupid. They're not, they're, this isn't a pride thing. This is a he wasn't good enough thing. Uh, so that that kind of happened there. But the Darius Rush edition, I don't think Alan. I I, th- I think you and I probably agree on this. I don't think that's about this year. Like right. if, if Joy Porter Jr. is not is is still a questionable starter at this point. Darius Rush being a rookie fifth round pick who's already been let go by two teams. Um, he or is on, on his third team, he's not going to see time either unless there's like a, a dire emergency uh, unless he's playing special teams. But I think what it is is that you look at Porter, you look at Trice, you look at Rush, all three of them around that 6'1", 6'2", range, lengthy, fast, young, from the same rookie class. That looks like a prototype of cornerback the Steelers want to build to play on the outside while they invest in other areas. And they still might go get another cornerback in the draft next year or in free agency. But I think this is just the Steelers stacking their chips and saying, hey, we want to at least find two guys who can who can be this kind of size and play the way we want on the outside. Yeah, as far as King, I mean, Smitty, you remember we had a friend from Houston on and, and asked, like, hey, what what's the deal? And, you know, he said mm-hmm. – it was like it was it was like a 
not a great situation off the field. Like people were not happy with Desmond King in Houston. And so when you hear that, and then the Steelers were extremely careful about how quickly they exposed him to playing time. I mean, he did not play until fourth or fifth week of the year at all. Didn't play defense until the fifth week of the year. And then when he goes out there for his first snap on defense, and you see Minka Fitzpatrick yelling at him for being in the wrong spot, and then the Steelers give up a touchdown, like, to me, as someone that kind of had that knowledge, I'm like, oh, all right, I'm, I'm seeing this. Like, also, I thought, you know, look, Gunnar Oshesky got a ton of attention for making a really boneheaded play on a kickoff by tapping one that was going out of bounds. Desmond King was just as bad. He took three that could have been touchbacks and didn't even get to the 20 on yeah. any of them. Like there's there's mm-hmm. the same thirty yards that Gunner cost him right there in one game, um, so I mean when you had a guy who was you know cut by Houston for having a bad attitude basically, and uh, screws up his first opportunity after five weeks of to to get ready, man I don't see how you have a lot of faith in that guy going forward. Perfectly understand the decision to move on. Um, as I said on Twitter last night. I feel like the 53rd guy on the team is something that the fans always make out more than it is. It does not matter. If you had before the season cut the 53rd guy on every single roster, put him in a bingo hopper and randomly assigned them to the, to the 32 teams, not one single team would have a different record right now, five weeks, six weeks into the season. Not one. It would not matter. It wouldn't, it just doesn't like that. Then there's not that big of a difference between the best 53rd player and the worst one in the NFL. Um, yeah. As far as Rush, you know, I, I really like him. I think he's a guy that adds length and size and speed. It's a bit of a project uh, in terms of, like, the variety of coverages I feel like he can play. That's probably one of the reasons why he's on his third NFL team already in that I just think maybe in certain defenses uh, it's just not going to happen for him right now. Um, but I think the Steelers are in a position where they can be patient with him and let him develop. And I, I talked to him today. Uh, a great kid, by the way, like really well-spoken. I had actually spoken to him at the combine before, but um, he, he was really excited to play some special teams and, and to have a role uh, after being on the practice squad in Kansas City and not having that. And I agree with what Chris said about the size. It cer- certainly seems like the Steelers have a type there. Um, you know, I also think that if – you know, the, the reason to have a Desmond King is – you wanted some inside-outside versatility. You wanted a guy who's a little bit more of a veteran. Uh, this, to me, is a sign that you're going to see more of Joey Porter Jr., that there is not yeah. a reason to have a Desmond King around if Joey Porter Jr. is going to play. He's going to play more outside. You can play Patrick Peterson more inside. There, They had envisioned for Desmond more, and I think that's what we're going to see. Yeah, I was just saying, it's not like a one-for-one trade-off here. You know, you're talking about a project boundary corner in Darius Rush uh, as opposed to what we figured at some point could potentially be a slot option for them uh, in Desmond King. So then, like you're saying there, it kind of comes back to, well, we could expect to see Patrick Peterson probably take over some slot reps here as early as this week against the Rams. And more Joey is what everybody wants, so I don't know why everybody's mad about this move, right? Like, this is going to be a positive thing. 
Yeah. When you look at the trickle effect, you know, it is what the fans are getting. It's just on the surface. I don't think that they're seeing that. They just see Desmond King, who everybody was so excited to get in the building, no longer on the roster. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, yeah. I'm I'm just, I'm in your agreement with you guys. Like, I think this is all part of the plan. You know, the Steelers, they they operate with these plans. I brought this up on, on Locked on Steelers on Wednesday. But, like, you know, Mike Tomlin, I remember the one time when he was on first take with Stephen A. Smith. And Stephen A. Smith was like, Totlin, this is like maybe 2016, 2017. He was like, Mike, what are you going to do about them cornerbacks, man? And, and Mike just smiled, and he was like, man, you used to say that about my offensive line. Now what do you say about that group? And he's like, oh, okay, coach, you got me there. The Steelers often do have a plan of attack when it comes to personnel development, what they're trying to do. And if it doesn't work, they'll go get somebody, like when they got Joe Hayden because Artie Burns wasn't working out. Like, you know, there's – I think there's there's always a plan in mind, and plans don't always work. We've seen plenty of personnel decisions not work out for the Steelers as well as plenty of other teams. But I do think there there is a plan of progression – for the for this secondary and i think it's along the line of what alan's saying if desmond king's being gone shannon sullivan's not getting it done in the slot but that tells me you know what put joey porter on the outside put patrick peterson on the inside and see how that how that group works and let that chemistry form and and also when you have patrick peterson out there with minka fitzpatrick and demonte kz you have a lot of veterans who can help in situations and can help communicate whenever joey porter jr if the game starts getting too fast for him at any point yeah Absolutely. And you're talking about a plan of attack there that the Steelers have. I think a lot of fans are probably questioning what their plan is for Broderick Jones at this point with Dan Moore Jr. coming back into the fold this week. Um, what, what, what do we make of that situation? I mean, we didn't gain a whole lot of clarity yesterday when we had talked after Tom on Tuesday in terms of what the plan was going to be there. But as we sit here now on Wednesday and draw closer to Sunday's game, what does it look like in your guys' mind is going to end up happening with that situation? Well, I think I got some clarity this afternoon. Smitty, play the clip. I don't want to play the clip, Alan, but I'll play the clip, Alan. That is, uh, if you're, if you're you, only listening it is. to the, if you're only listening to the audio version of this podcast, that is left tackle Dan Moore and a combo block drill with left guard Isaac Samalu while first-round pick Roderick Jones stands there and watches. Uh, I think that is all the clarity that I needed to see about who's going to start at left tackle this week. I mean, Mike Tomlin is not above a smoke screen or two, but I think the writing is pretty clearly on the wall here. Yeah, uh, I, I don't I don't get this, guys. And, like, listen, there's, there's times where I say, like, hey, there's a plan here, and th- maybe there is a plan. I just don't know what it is because – you know, Alan, you and I have talked about this. The perfect time for, for Broderick Jones to come in was after the bye week. It'd be, it'd be clear of playing all those top-tier edge rushers. The Steelers were starting off the season against. It'd be a chance for him to work for two weeks to get into get used to that starting spot. And then you could go up against the Rams team that where they have Aaron Donald, he's going to be lined up on the interior and not going to be going up against Broderick Jones. And they don't have the edge rushers that they used to have. I, I think that this... If this is what's happening, there could be a lot of things that come in. Mike Tomo, when asked about Dan Moore Jr. on Tuesday, said that's a big if when it came to him starting um, th- this Sunday. But if if the, if that big if does become true and Dan Moore Jr. starting at left tackle, man, I, I don't get it. I think Broderick Jones graded very well against the Ravens. I thought he played very well, and I think that he's the guy you drafted to take the steps forward with 
and, and continue progressing, you know, with your off- offense moving forward, just like you did with Kenny Pickett last year. You brought him in after week four uh, and let him get used to things. Uh, I just if if Dan Moore Jr. comes back, I think it's a mistake. Now, if he lights it up, he lights it up. Great. Awesome. Good for them. But uh, if, if things go badly, it's going to there's going to be a lot of legitimate questions that Mike Tom is going to have to face as far as why Broderick Jones wasn't out there. And I think it's going to bring a lot of heat and down onto the Steelers personnel decisions. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that Broderick Jones is like a better player than Dan Moore right now. Like, I mean, I think he's probably a little bit better run blocker and probably a little bit better pass blocker. I'm not sure that like this is some kind of decision that is going to like sink the Steelers chances against the Rams this week. Like that, I, I don't think that Dan Moore was playing so badly that he like, absolutely needed to be replaced. I just don't understand why you would trade up in the first round to get Broderick Jones, a guy that by all means was, you know, not necessarily like immediately NFL ready, but had a pro body and, and didn't need like all kinds of work to get ready for an NFL play. You had this early buy. You had those early uh, quality edge rushers that we've talked about a lot in Garrett and Bosa and Crosby in the rearview mirror now. Like, this felt like the week that we should have been seeing Broderick Jones anyway, and then he goes out and plays really well against the Baltimore Ravens. I don't understand – like like you're saying, like I don't see the plan here. Like, I, I don't think it's, it's going to be this, like, catastrophe. Like, I'm sure that – Dan Moore will be fine. It just doesn't make sense, especially like the Rams edge rushers are bad. I mean, like bad, bad. Like this, like they're playing a couple of like a third round and a sixth round rookie who, I mean, like they're, they're like Broderick should be able to manhandle these guys, even in pass pro, which is where he's going to struggle. Like I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I put out a tweet, actually, because this was a topic that we talked about on around the 412 last night. Like, if this happens, obviously, we didn't know at that time. But like I said, I can agree or disagree with a lot of things that the Steelers do. But regardless, I can typically see like what the, the plan is, what the idea is there. With this, I, I don't understand the process more than anything else, which is just what I have a lot of trouble with. Like, like you're saying, this is typically where you would think would be the point where whether it be performance. And of course we couldn't have foreseen an injury happening to Dan Moore, but regardless, you would have thought this is about the time of season where they're going to start working Broderick Jones into the starting lineup. Anyway, you've already done that. He's played really well in that one game that he got. Well, I guess two games he's seen action, but his one start against the Ravens. I just, why, why are we going back? You know, like I'm not saying it's going to stunt his growth or anything like that to do so, but why not continue to develop that growth as opposed to stay stagnant? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. And this is not a position where you can really, you know, work a guy in. I mean, maybe you could give him a <laughs> yeah. series or two. I don't know. Like, I, like play him as a six, like six offensive linemen. Hey, I don't know. Maybe. Like, they're not going to throw him around the ball anyway. Like, I just, I don't. If there is a plan, it is certainly not obvious to me. Um, and I think that is probably why this feels more frustrating than most of their decisions because like you said whether you agree or disagree with the reasoning with the logic usually you can see it and uh i don't know i I really don't you know i think we're in we're we're deep into speculation territory as to what mike tomlin is thinking about this he certainly did not 
uh, enlighten us when he spoke on Tuesday. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know that we're going to know. Yeah, it, it's a conundrum to me. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if this is like a Pat Narduzzi thing where, you know, Pat Narduzzi, if you if you know about how he handles injuries and people and players playing, you don't know until you see them lining up in, in practice who is going to start and, and everything like that. I don't know if this is that kind of situation with Mike Tomlin. He, don't, he doesn't normally do that type of thing. We usually know about this ahead of time. So I, I lean to think that maybe Dan Moore Jr. is coming back. I just I don't I don't understand it. Um you know, I've talked with guys like uh, um, uh, Max Starks, who, you know, former Steeler, Steelers offensive lineman, played under Mike Tomlin, um, you know, left, uh, you know, an offensive tackle. He talked about how, like, with Broderick Jones, it may behoove, them, may behoove the Steelers to let him cook in the oven rather than the microwave, saying, like, let let him let, let his, his slow progress continue so he can pick more things up and be more ready when you actually – want him to start next year and have a better career but i just think that i I liked what i saw against the ravens there was one time i thought he got beat in the pass game and most times in the run game he looked like he was doing his thing and i just i think you got to keep building on that but you know i I think that's going to be a big big decision the Steelers are going to have to live with either way and if they don't if this goes if this goes south and dan moore jr struggling and they lose a game you know, or Kenny Pickett gets hurt because of that, and that's like a big reason. There's going to be a lot of legitimate ire, or fire, you know, fire towards uh, the, the Steelers coaching staff and specifically Mike Tomlin for for not buying into their first round draft pick, be getting this, getting that, getting the playing time. I figured well, it out. I'm not, sure, figured I, it out. I'm not sure I agree with that because I think like if somebody's likely to get Kenny Pickett injured, it's it's Broderick Jones and not Dan Moore. Like he's like that to me is far more likely way. I mean, I think Jones. I think Moore is a much better pass blocker right now. So I, I don't think that I don't think that playing Dan Moore is putting Kenny Pickett at any risk. I figured it out, honestly, why this all happened. Mike Tomlin, the Steelers have realized that a lot of the times, you know, fans are so irrational and the people that cover the team, Alan and Chris, have to kind of bring the fan base back to earth and make sense of these decisions. They wanted to do something that just had everybody in lockstep where they couldn't <laughs> figure out what the Steelers were doing. That way everybody was on the same page. It's a mystery. That's my that that's my tinfoil hat. You know, everybody's everybody's worried about this Chargers fan right now. That's the, <laughs> the tinfoil hat thing for everybody else. I'm thinking Mike Tomlin was cooking this up to get everybody on the same page. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about on today's show, and actually I wanted to bring up yesterday, Alan teased this on yesterday's show, but we thought it made more sense with Chris coming on today, uh, is Minka Fitzpatrick's usage. Um, you know, he's been used a lot more as a corner this year. He's played a lot more around the line of scrimmage, kind of having to help out run defense and the run game. Um, he hasn't been able to be that ball hawk. You haven't seen him make a ton of plays on the ball yet. Obviously, zero interceptions to this point. And uh, just wanted to you know, have a conversation about his usage. Too. Only two passes defended. So I want to have a conversation about his usage this year and where he's kind of been on the field. Well, we tried to have a conversation about this yesterday with Mike Tomlin. I asked him about Minka Fitzpatrick, and he basically said, Minka's going to be Minka, and there's probably stretches where TJ doesn't get sacks. I didn't go back and fact check that. Has there ever been a five-game stretch in TJ Watt's career where he had zero sacks? I would be willing to bet that that has never happened. It would have had um, to have been last year, right? I mean, only five and a half sacks in limited time last year, but it would have had to have been last year, if at all. Yeah, uh, I, I don't really buy that. Um, and then Chris 
followed that up with a great question about his usage and whether Minka being in the slot has been more about the matchups early this year or if that's how they use him. And Mike chose not to answer that question and basically said we expect Minka to be good no matter where they play him, which I'm sure they do, but that's not what we were asking about. Well, I ha- we've got that, oh, and I have the got clip, that here, clip so. too. Go, go, go for that. All right, let's take a look. Anyone else? When you did this and have um, an interception, just have two passes defended this year. Is that, in your eyes, other teams just simply going away from him? And if that's the case, are you okay with that trade-off, or do you need to have more blocks from him? Minka's going to make his plays. Um, there are blocks of games in the past, maybe where TJ not getting sacks. TJ's going to get sacks. Minka's going to make splash plays. That's what all pros do. You guys have used him a lot more in the slot early part, in the early part of this year. Do you guys see that as something that's going to continue all season long, or has that been matchup specific? You know, uh, we expect him to be maker no matter where we utilize him. To be quite honest with you, um, we've moved him around in the past as well. All right, thank you. Uh, all right, Mike. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my point, my point was, and I, you know, I, I, I got, I kind of got yammed on by Tomlin for bringing up obscure stats like receiving, receiving yards. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, another obscure stat would have been that Minka Fitzpatrick going into this game is about 10 snaps shy of how many total snaps he had last year in the slot, uh, compared to this year. So like, you know, we're talking through 17 games last year. He was, I think he had like 112 snaps and i think through five games he has 105 so clearly he's being used more there right now and and this is something that i've talked about alan's talked about i think smitty you talked about it you know minka fitzpatrick he can be an he's an asset in any in all of those roles outside corner slot corner strong safety he's he's helping you and he can make plays there he can be a tackle tackle maker there he can help against the run but his best asset to you as a defense is creating turnovers is getting is getting is being that ball hawk in the middle part of the field when you're taking him out of that role you're taking away an elite talent and putting him into being a good useful talent and i i think the steelers there's time i think you could do that some of the times but i think most of the times he needs to be that center fielding free safety that can take away the middle part of the field that can go and be the x factor guy and i, I think the, the way they've been using him this year I, I think is taking away from that potential I've not seen like, him like the, and the other thing is like, so he's playing in the slot and he's playing some free safety, but it just seems like, Oh, there's three safeties on the field. Well, that means make is in the slot. Oh, there's two safeties in the field. Make is back. Like one of the advantages of moving a guy around is the ability to make a quarterback need to account for his whereabouts before he throws the ball. So right. make a mm-hmm. guy take an extra half a second be like, ah, oh, where's 39 before I throw this. And, and that gives TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith that extra half a second to get home. It just seems like they're being very basic with the way they're using him. And it, it's the, they're not getting creative about disguising what he's doing in any way. It just seems like, Oh, Oh, are Keanu Neal and Casey are both out there. Oh, well then make us a slot corner. Oh, well they aren't. Oh, well, then make us a, a half field safety, like, or a center field safety. But, that's really it. That there hasn't been any variety in terms of different matchups from different looks and and uh, rotations from pre-snap reads to post-snap reads. I'm just not seeing them kind of bust out the bag of tricks in terms of 
getting creative ways to put Minka in position, surprise the defense. We saw one. We saw that when they played Cleveland, and they came up with that three-safety look out of the base defense that they've never shown, as far as I can, as far as I can recall, ever with this team. They they played three safeties out of their base defense, which basically meant that Minka Fitzpatrick was an outside corner to play man on man in space against David Njoku. And what happens when they do that? First play, pick six, touchdown, because Cleveland had no idea what to make of that. But none. They had no idea how to deal with that. But there's been one thing in five games. Like, there's got to be more that they can be doing to creatively deploy Minka Fitzpatrick to make more splash plays. So in your guys' minds, what, what does this come down? Is this a personnel thing? Like, what exactly is the reason that, that this has been the case this year? I, I think it's because the Steelers are trying to find answers at different positions that they aren't as strong at. I also think this is a this is another reminder of how good and important Terrell Edmond was as a role player for the Steelers because he did a lot of those roles. He took a lot of those slot snaps. He was able to help in those spots. And yes, he wasn't a turnover machine, but he was doing the things that you wanted that you're having Minka do right now so that Minka could be that turnover machine. And that's why I said for years, that guy's the most underappreciated guy in Pittsburgh sometimes because he, do, he erases so much. He helps so much that allows so many other good things to happen on the team. He's just not, he's just not the guy that gets the credit credit for it because he's not the guy making the interception or making those plays. So, and I think Demonte KZ, I think he's, he's, he's fine. Keanu Neal, I think, you know, needs to keep improving with the Steelers, but I, I think that's, that's part of the problem here is that they're having make a make up for it. Also, we, I, I just looked it up. The, the longest streak that, that TJ Watt ever went without getting a sack with was three games. I thought so. Uh, I think that, you know, I put a lot of this at Terrell Austin's feet, you know, and I think maybe, like it's some of it's his fault and some of it's not his fault, but it's all going to be his responsibility. Like, I don't think, I think the deployment issues that I was talking about are, are clearly on him. Um, but I also think that like Chris was saying, like they're having problems in other places that is probably dominating his time and his, and his attention when you're giving up big plays in the passing game and in the running game, like, you know, the, the one area that the Steelers have not been getting beat by is slot receivers. Like Debo Samuel was not what killed them against San Francisco. It was literally True. everyone else. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. so uh, when, when you have a defense that is overall struggling and you have one area that's like, Hey, they're doing okay. Even though there's no splash, I think mm-hmm. it's sort of hu- human nature to say, well, all right, just leave that there for now. Let me figure this other stuff out. But also to me, that is a sign of a coaching staff that misses having a second defensive coordinator in Brian Flores that they had last year. Like they had the ability last year to put two guys and say, Hey, I'm going to tackle these problems. You get creative about how we can be better at the same time. And they don't have that anymore. And, you know, I think that was a mistake in not replacing a guy like Flores with another person that has experience as a defensive play caller, with someone that has, you know, the sort of global perspective that is not just a position coach that can make them a better coaching staff. You know, this is a small coaching staff. It's among the smallest coaching staffs in the league. Depends on how you count, obviously. But, and, and I think that's an area where when you're struggling, it is hard to fix problems and get creative at the same time when there are just only so many guys available to do that work. And, you know, is that ultimately Terrell Austin's responsibility as a defensive coordinator? Yes, but it's not his fault 
that he's missing what was one of his biggest assets in that area last year in Brian Flores. And so I, I think I think you could say coaching in general, but, but I think there's a couple different ways that, that that's coming out. So domino effect here, right? Patrick Peterson getting more time in the slot. Joey Porter Jr. being on the field more outside with Patrick Peterson in the slot. Those two things happening and happening well, getting good reps from those guys in those two areas. Is that the way to get Minka Fitzpatrick back to being Minka Fitzpatrick? I think that's. A, I think it's a good shot at it. I think that if, if Patrick Peterson is able to be smart, because the other thing about Patrick Peterson is that he's he can think at an NFL level. He can he can communicate in an NFL level. He's going to help be in the right place at the right time, and not you know he may not run with the fastest guys, but he's going to make sure that his job is at least attended to. And I think that would allow Mike Fitzpatrick to go back to that role. I also think that Mike Tomlin is doing a very has a very concerted effort to not throw anyone under the bus. He, and he does that all the time. That's that's kind of that coach, uh, the head coach's job. But I think that he is working overtime to make sure that like, hey, like we're not disrespecting Patrick Peterson, even though he, you know, he's been a liability at times. We're not, you know, saying that, the, that our secondary can't do this or can't do that. I think that he's trying his best to keep people clean from his, from his statements uh, in, in that regard. But I also think that he's recognizing he's running out of time with this, with this year. At least to figure that out. Yeah. Because there's still plenty of time, but you'd like to know what your secondary plan is and who's going to be, be be your most successful group before week seven. Right. Alan, anything to add to that in terms of, again, the domino effect that would have to take place for Minka to get back to being Minka? I definitely think that like Joey becoming another asset in the past defense goes a long way to fixing their problems. Um, but like, as I've said before, like just because you need him to be, it doesn't mean that he is it. And just because he's had success doing a small part of the job does not mean that he will immediately or obviously have success giving him more, you know, that they, you can only ask him to do so much. I think he's done well with what they've asked him to do, but it's clearly still a, a work in progress and one that I'm not sure that is just going to like fix itself overnight in, in some kind of significant fashion. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know, but I mean, I, I definitely think that, that that is an area where they have severely lacked right now. I think that, the, you know, they need to get back to, to make, to being able to make plays on the ball and whatever that looks like, I think is what the Steelers need to have happen to get some splash on the back end of their defense. Uh, as we wrap up here on the Steelers afternoon drive, Probably everybody watching or listening knows where to find both of you at this point, but just in case they don't, Chris, tell the folks where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Carter Critiques. You can read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. That's post-gazette.com to get all my written work there as well as the North Shore Drive podcast for them. And you can find me on the Locked On Steelers podcast covering the Steelers Monday through Friday every day throughout the week and sometimes uh, over the weekend with our bonus episodes. That's on the same way you get this this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Locked On Steelers, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and all my Channel 11 work too. Check me out Friday nights on Skylights with Jenna Hart. Boom. Alan? I'm on uh, Twitter at asombers underscore PGH at PGH Steelers. Now is my site's account Steelers That's where my words live. Read them so I can get paid Steelers. Now plus a uh, deal for subscribers. Allen 10 is the promo code to get 10% off an annual subscription. I had somebody reach out to me on Twitter who said, 
hey, you tell me it's 10% off and I signed up and it's actually more than 10% off. Listen, I was told there would be no math. I don't know. Just it's a good deal. Okay. So take it. Like, don't complain about getting it more off than I. Hey, why are you giving me more of a discount than you're supposed to? Right. Just. Just shut up and take the deal, okay? Before I fix it, like don't ruin it for everybody. All right? Yeah. Um. Wait, Chris, hold on. You said you're on TikTok. We, we talking like dances no, or what no, t- okay. no dances. I, 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 oh. I, st- I wanted to get on the platform and because I feel like there is a place. It's important to get on different platforms to engage with different audiences and, and grow in different ways. But like I'll. I've included like a couple chats, just like a couple like quick thoughts of mine. Like when Matt Canada's burner account was out there oh, right, and, yeah. and, and like, I made a, I made like a five minute video addressing all the falsehoods behind whether or not it was his burner account or <laughs> and stuff like that. And, and like that yeah. got some good, good reviews. But then also like I, I took the moment that Mike Tomlin boom roasted me on the, in the, in the, mm. in the press conference, I put that out there. So like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to do more with it, but like you guys know, I'm a very busy guy. So sometimes I, I don't have the time or the energy to put towards that, but I, it's something that I put out there, but I may, I mainly am on TikTok so I can follow the athletes and see what they're doing. Cause when they do something crazy, I gotta be, I gotta know what's coming. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All I'm right, on so TikTok so I can keep track of what my daughter's doing on TikTok and that's it. Whoa. There we go. There we go. <laughs> So you can find both of them on TikTok, apparently, but you don't expect to see the Corvette Corvette dance from either of them. Um, no. Find me at Zachary Smith PGH. Oddly, I do have a TikTok, and you actually probably will see some videos of me dancing on there. Um, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell right here. Leave us a comment. We will read that tomorrow. If you're listening somewhere else, leave us a five-star review over there as well. For Alan Saunders, for Chris Carter, I'm Zachary Smith. Thanks for jumping in and taking another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. <laughs>